Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Purple Daily. Usually we do not look at extensions until after we get through the draft. Um, right now we have so much ahead of us and a lot of decisions to make before the free agency begins and the new league year begins. And then we look at the draft and once we settle down and everything. But I consider Dalvin into one of those core group of players uh, that we definitely want to try to keep. That was Rick Spielman once upon a time in our lives at the NFL Combine where I shook hands and talked closely with people uh, it was very weird, and it uh, has not happened since because of coronavirus. But uh, uh, on to the next thing, Courtney Cronin of ESPN. That's kind of how this all works. We do the draft. We say, all right, we do our conference calls. You had conference calls today with all the undrafted free agents. So all 12 of them. That's out of the way. And on to the next thing, which is what? I've made a checklist, and I want to go through it with you. And it starts exactly where Jonathan started it with his soundbite with Delvin Cook's contract extension. I saw Jason LaConfora wrote a big piece about how he thinks the Vikings should just pay Delvin Cook his money. And I would expect them to pay Delvin Cook his money. But I want you to tell me when this will happen and what factors will go into how much Delvin Cook gets paid. Well, it's imminent. I have an article coming out tomorrow on ESPN.com that just kind of lays out the parameters of what this is. And uh, an extension at this time of the year, like Rick Spielman said, they typically wait until after the draft, um, sometimes in the summer, but in that off-season period. That's what they've done recently with Stephon Diggs, Eric Kendricks, uh, Daniil Hunter was in there as well. I mean, they're... The history is there to show you that this is going to happen. It's just, does it happen next week? Does it happen the week thereafter? Does somehow the off-season program change things? I don't know, but it's imminent. Um, it goes In my mind, it goes cook, somehow figure out, pay all the rookies. It's like $4.164 million. It's not that much to get them under the cap. Um, if you were to sign all 15 of them, which they're not going to, it would be north of 13, um, according to over the caps projections. But regardless, they have the space, and it would leave them just over $8 million of cap space to figure out what do you do with Dalvin Cook, what do you do with Anthony Harris. But time, you know, the clock is ticking, essentially, at this point. I mean, yes, there's nowhere to go, but Rick Spielman did say after the draft they're going to take care of this. Well, it's after the draft. So I anticipate something happening pretty soon with it. Um, 
the finances are there. I saw Lock and Forest article. I think that the argument that everyone is going to make uh, about Dalvin Cook after seeing what Christian McCaffrey got is, is he worth the money? Is he worth um, reaching kind of the upper echelon of running backs? Some people will say yes. Others may say no. I mean, could the Vikings afford to make him the highest paid running back in the NFL? Probably, because they can maneuver things with their salary cap. If you have a higher cap number on him now, it means less of a signing bonus, and you could probably finagle something where if you wanted to get out of it in three years, you could. But if you anticipate this guy being the face of your franchise the way he is the face and focal point of your offense, then you need to pay him as such. It's just what does that figure, what is fair between what the player wants and what the team's able to give, you can understand the argument of why people say, oh, well, a team-friendly deal is the only way he's getting an extension, but... The caveat of that is, if they don't have him in 2020, assuming we're playing season this year, how much more difficult does Kirk Cousins' job become? So, so they got to pay him. Um, with Christian McCaffrey's deal, I looked back at that one to see how the distribution of cap hits worked out. Because you hear four years, 64, and you go, okay, well, that's the bar for Delvin. But you know, four for 64 is not four for 64 no. with the salary cap. Everything works differently. So in the first year... His cap hit is $7.8 million, and then it jumps up to over 12 in years two and three, and then it goes up after that, but we get into the territory of you can restructure Mm -hmm. and, and so forth, and that's too far to look down the line. If Cook signed a deal that had cap hits of 7.8 and then a little over 12 million in years two and three, I mean, reasonable, right? Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing look back at what they did with Diggs. Uh, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, none of their skill players last season were under were had a cap hit o- that was more than 7.38% of the total overall cap. So you're going to keep him under that number uh, just based on how much you've allocated towards the quarterback, how much you've allocated towards Daniil Hunter, players that take up a much larger percentage of your salary cap. And I think they can absolutely do that. And it's just like, do you want to structure his contract depending upon what the extension looks like? Is it a three-year deal? Is it a four-year deal? I think it's smart to sync him up with Kirk Cousins. Why not? I mean, if you want to say that this is the, you know, kind of create this tandem-looking thing that it's been, where Cook certainly is the focal point of this offense, but Kirk gets a lot of credit for winning them that playoff game, if you sync both of them up, you could always move on from Kirk. You know, if it gets too expensive for you down the line, you think, it's not the answer you want to go at quarterback, you can do that after 2022. It's expensive to get there, but regardless, you can do that after 2022. If Cook in the touches that he takes from now until 2022, if he starts to taper off, you can move on from him at that point. I think a three-year deal is a sweet spot here in terms of an extension because it's not locking you in for long term. It's not... In, I know, we'd never see the Adrian Peterson seven-year deal again. That's just a moot point, and you can reference that all you want just in terms of the precedent that this team set when they signed him to that extension after his um, third season as a rookie. But, you know, the short-term deal could very much benefit both player and organization because the cash is not going to change. Whatever they're going to offer him, I mean, that's not going to go anywhere. But in terms of cap hits and what you can do to help your salary cap, I think it's a better, gives you more flexibility. It definitely makes sense to me to have him through his age 27 season. Because if you're the team, you have to play this smart. You have to play it with the odds here. And I know that some second contracts have really blown up. The Todd Gurley one especially. Um, But the workload on some of those guys is different than Delvin Cook. Even though last year he was, uh, I think, let's see, in touches. I had this down. He's ninth most in touches last year yes. and didn't even play the full season. 
But at the same time, his first two years were limited in the amount of touches he had. So I think if you're looking at the age curve with Delvin Cook, where every player is different because of how much they've been asked to work over their first couple of years, uh, Delvin Cook probably is in his prime through age 27. Anything after that, I'm really afraid of. Uh, That's where you could get yourself into trouble. So the Vikings could try to hit the sweet spot here and say, we've still got prime Delvin Cook for a couple of more years here with based on his work that I think he has something like a thousand less touches at this yes. age than Todd Gurley. So I mean, it's, it's it's a really big difference, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, when you were on your vacation before you set the coronavirus uh, aflame <laughs> because you left and this whole thing went to hell, uh, Rami and I, I remember for like several days early in March, he and I were on air together and went through a piece that I wrote about Cook's contract extension. And just like you mentioned, it's a point of reference, the Vikings gave Adrian that $96 million extension after his fourth season, and that's when he had 1,317 touches before signing that deal in 11. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, just over 1,000 touches when he signed his extension last year. Todd Gurley, 914. You know, in a way, Dalvin's injuries and the injury history and when they occurred might have, might actually help him. If you're looking at it, if you're the Vikings, if you believe this guy is not injury prone, it's not going to be a problem because at the time he's signing this theoretical ex- extension, whether it comes next week, tomorrow, or, you know, three months from now, 561 touches. I mean, that's a lot less than, yep, it's a lot yep. less mileage. And I mean, you're talking about the running back position. Mileage is the first thing you talk about. How quickly is it, you know, it's like when you drive a car off the lot at a uh, dealership, it immediately loses a certain percent of its value. I don't Mm -hmm. know the exact thing, but that's always the argument that comes up when you buy a brand new car. Um, You know, Cook is not a new car. None of these running backs obviously signing their second deal or a new car, but you want to find the one with the lowest mileage because you know that once the clock starts ticking on that extension, they're already losing value. But if you anticipate that this is a guy that you're going to have around for, let's say, three more years, and then beyond that, another three, he's Viking for at least the next six years, you're building your franchise around him from the the off-the-field stuff to everything that you're doing and incorporating within him in the offense, then it's a smart time to get one done. So I, I think that there is an argument just worth bringing up to not do it. Um, but I like to try to live in reality on the show here and know that it is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we know what they're thinking is. We know it's going to happen. And the only roadblock I would give you before I lay out the argument against it, the only roadblock I see is just how much money Delvin Cook's side wants. Because if they say, no, no, no we're going to be the highest paid running back in the NFL or we're not doing this or we're going to sit out and, and so forth, well, that could push the Vikings to be like, look, we don't have a ton of cap space here, and it is a running back, and it is a tricky situation. So we've also got Alexander Madison, who we love, and the history of running backs is pretty dangerous. So the Vikings could have a price that they where they get priced out, essentially, of this conversation. That's the roadblock. The argument against it is pretty simple. I mean, running backs overall... This doesn't mean Delvin Cook is a player, but overall are replaceable. And if the Vikings had drafted a running back in the second round, the odds are pretty Mm -hmm. in their favor that the guy would be good. Like DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, these guys, they'll probably be good. Like A lot of running backs who come out are, and they already found one last year who's good in the third round. So there is a case for that. I just don't think that it's worth spending too much time on the case against it when we know it's going to happen. This wasn't like with Cousins where we weren't sure whether they were going to assign him to an extension mm-hmm. right away. Then they did, and then that was we're over. Sure, we weren't sure he was going to agree to it. Right. I yeah. mean, when yeah. when the 
the notions out there. I mean, obviously the Dak situation uh, and the way that that's still playing out. I mean, before he signed the extension two days before free agency, that was very much in the cards that he wanted to wait until Dak and he and his side wanted to wait to see what Dak got. But obviously they hear things and they're hearing, okay, he's probably going to be franchised and they're not going to, it's going to take a while to work out a long-term deal. So it probably would have, I mean, eventually he would have gotten paid, but I think that in terms of like best deal on the table, work it out now, get, get your security locked up. I mean, that's why he did it then. But, we, yeah, you're right. That wasn't a slam dunk lock as much as this one feels like it is, given the fact that they had 15 draft picks. That's like 30% of the active roster that they just drafted just in terms of numbers. And they didn't take a single running back. That to, I mean, that's all you need to know. Right, like just yep. about yep. like how this whole thing's going to pan out. Like if you're still arguing, like we're we're not. But if you were making the case of oh they don't need to extend him, uh, you know they can let him play out the season and then think about it. They could franchise him, which would be like north of twelve million next year. No, they're going to extend him. It's just a matter of when at this point. And I don't know if they're any if they are in any rush to do it. I mean. Maybe they're trying to wait to figure out, like, okay, is Anthony Harris going to come in and sign his franchise tender? I still think Cook should be your top priority here, but um, there are a lot of factors that go into it. So the next thing on my offseason checklist for what's left for the Vikings to do is to sign Anthony Harris to a contract extension. Unless you really love yourself some Josh Metellus, the seventh-round draft pick <laughs> out of Michigan, which, by the way, I'm intrigued. I am intrigued, but I don't tell think... Me, tell me more. Uh no, I think you just... Why can't that work? Okay. Why can that not work? Look, I think you're just joshing me here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Don't come with the game. It's, it's too uh, early in the show to, to go <laughs> off the rails like this. Um, okay, so since they, didn't, since they didn't spend you know a draft pick on Xavier McKinney or Antoine Winfield Jr., or anybody who would replace Anthony Harris, this thing also looks like it's going to happen. Now, this is the opposite of Delvin Cook. You actually can create cap space for yourself. Yes. And when I looked at how much they would be spending and on corners and safeties, it would only be around 25 to $27 million on, on both of those positions if they sign Anthony Harris to a reasonable contract extension. This, this also goes under the category of there's no reason that this shouldn't happen soon. No, and I don't know what he's waiting on at this point because this has been playing out for for weeks now. Unless, I mean, unless he was told, "Don't sign it," or we might be trying to trade you. Which I don't know. I mean, either way, like he'd still be guaranteed that money. It's, it's a weird time financially. And you remember a couple weeks ago, you saw guys all of a sudden there was this rash of guys signing their franchise tenders, and you wonder, well. Did the current state of the world and the economy factor into that? Because he'd be making $11.41 million this year, all guaranteed. Not a bad deal, but I think he wants to be there. I mean, the sense that I get in speaking with people about Anthony Harris, not just from the Vikings' perspective of how much they need him, um, they have a young cornerback group. I mean, Mike Zimmer essentially, you know, out with the old, in with the brand new, in all mm-hmm. of the draft picks that they got, the UDFA that they're really excited about, and Neville Clark, the guy from UCF. Um, they're going to need a lot of safety help next year. And to be able to have Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, that's why Rick Spielman, I mean, we, we were able to take him at his word when he spoke to us pre-draft saying that they're pretty well set at that position. And I can anticipate, and I think everybody should, that that would stay that way at least until the trade deadline, which is you know supposed to be October, but who knows if they end up you know moving the season, whatever. But um, I think that they've got flexibility with a guy like Anthony Harris to give him a double-digit salary 
on average deal. Uh, maybe a little bit lower than that if you want to pay him in the 8 to 9 range. I don't know if you want to get to 10, but I think you can do that and lower his cap number significantly for this year, and that's going to help you out even more in terms of contract negotiations, potentially for an extension of Dalvin Cook. And so I discovered that there are only 11 safeties who make more than $10 million, and one of them is Harrison Smith, per year average yeah. annual value. Now, the cap hit is really the only thing that matters, um, so so I could see his salary cap hit being a similar structure to how other guys have been, where it's low in the first year, so you can afford to do some other things this offseason, like sign Delvin Cook and maybe some of the other ideas that I had. Um, and then, you know, he gets his cash that he's basically pulling in what ends up in his wallet over $10 million per year, and everybody can be happy and go forward with this. Anthony Harris just doesn't have a ton of negotiating power, especially with the way that this is played out. If he had hit free agency on the first day of free agency, the guy probably makes a real good dollar. But mm-hmm. at this point, no one's got money left to spend. They've got their draft classes to sign. They're just picking up what's left out there. Um, the same thing goes for Jadavian Clowney to some extent yeah. who we'll get to but you know if you've made it to this point and it's not his fault you got franchise tag those are the rules that's how it works um, but your best play is to just go with the team that really likes you on whatever is the best deal you can get for them because if you fight hard on this and say you're not playing on the franchise tag if it comes to that or not signing an extension it's really just not going to play out well for you for a guy who's undrafted who's played for like seven hundred thousand dollars over the last five years or four years whatever yeah. it is um, and then I think he had his uh, restricted free agency. He signed for a couple million, but I mean, yeah, last year has not made a ton of money in his career. And if it there's an opportunity to make thirty million guaranteed or something like that, I think Anthony Harris is in a position where he really just has to take it. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, think about it. He's going to be twenty nine this season. Any other team. Um, if you're trying to use like that as like a leverage play here of like what you could have earned on the free agent market versus what you know the Vikings essentially you know putting the clamp down uh, two days before free agency and franchising you, essentially taking some of the value off the table, you know. I don't know if he has much ground to stand on. I'm with you there. And also, like the Vikings could come to the table and whether you agree with this or not, and try to get a better discount out of this, being like, well, look who you're playing next to. You know, I mean, maybe right. that's not the fairest thing to do, but to be like, hey, go somewhere else. If you were to, if some, if you were anywhere else, would you have had six interceptions next last year? Yeah, debatable. Would you have been the player that you are? Debatable. And I mean, I'm not saying anything about Anthony Harris specifically. I just think that that's an argument that the Vikings could make, yep. just based on who else they have in the secondary at safety. I mean, that's you know probably why they might be able to get a nicer discount. Um, on somebody like Anthony Harris, and that he wouldn't be in that realm that you mentioned of players who are making more than $10 million a year uh, with their average salary. But, you know, the way this is shaping out, I mean, they've got two players who are have cap hits north of $10.75 million. That's a lot. Two safeties, that is. Um, and, and, I mean, that's just, but that's a situation that they're in. Like, even if his cap hit lowers to, like, eight or nine, that's, you know, you could still say, oh, well, they're spending a lot in their secondary at the safety position. Well, the cornerback position for now is cheap, so it kind of balances out. All right. The next thing on my checklist here for what could be next or what the last things they need to do are is to look into the remaining big fish on the yes. trade and free agent market. And I had a a change of feeling on what they should look at 2020 as earlier today, because, well, it really happened yesterday when Brett Favre said Aaron Rodgers is playing somewhere else. And the thought that popped into my mind, Courtney, was 
the Vikings are going to win this division, and they should win this division, and they should do whatever it takes to win this division if they can right now because these other teams in, inside the NFC North just don't threaten you. Chicago with Nick Foles. Oh, you traded for Nick Foles and gave him a bunch of money when Andy Dalton was about to be released a few weeks later. That's a real smart move. Uh, and then you have, let's undermine our quarterback in any way we possibly can in Green Bay. And here's Detroit. Let's keep the worst head coach in football in place. Uh, so if you're the Vikings and you can finagle the cap to improve yourself with some sort of big splash move that's still out there to be had, like Jadavian Clowney, mm-hmm. Jason Peters, uh, trade for Joe Thune if the Patriots are going to do that. I mean, you should be open for business if you're the Vikings to trying to make something like this happen because you can absolutely win the NFC North next year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I think that Kalecio Semele should be on that list, too, if you wanted to improve the interior of your offensive line, because last I checked, he hasn't signed anywhere, right? No, he hasn't, and he was actually in my next thing, which is sort of bargain-free agents. I think oh, he'll okay. be, at this sure. point, a bargain-free sure, bargain. agent. Yeah. But no, you bring up a good point about Clowney, and let me tell you a little story. So during free agency, I was spitballing some ideas, because I was heard, hey, sniff around on Clowney. Your team's interested in him. I was like, huh? Okay. So I did. And uh, the response that I got at that point, about like March, let's say, what's St. Patrick's Day, 17th, whatever, was, Courtney, you're smarter than that. Don't ask me a dumb question. Oh, wow. And that was the, that was the vibe. That was the, well, it's just kind of the overall vibe. Those weren't the exact words. That's oh, okay. how I took it, of just like, they couldn't afford him at that point. Right. And what he was wanting, of north of like 15 to $18 million for... Jadavian Clowney, who wanted to be the league's highest paid defender, that's was his prerogative, and the price has consistently since then been coming down and coming down and coming mm-hmm. down. And then yesterday, um, who was it that you know took his number in Seattle? So uh, it's Jaron very, Reed, yeah, yeah, Jer- so it's Jaron, Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed. So yeah. very, very obvious that he's not coming back. Um, so I think his price tag, and the more I've checked in on this over the last few weeks, and just seeing, okay, is there a chance now? How about now? How about now? Mm-hmm. You know, I still get the sense that the Vikings don't think that they can afford him right now. But if that price tag comes down, like you mentioned in your article of signing him to a deal that would be similar of the one-year prove-it deal they gave Sheldon Richardson, which yep. if Jadavian Clowney wants to keep doing this uh, and go one year, one year, one year until he can get that mega deal, which I don't know when that's going to happen, um, I think it'd be a huge benefit to the Vikings. And obviously he didn't have much of a say in it uh, last year. Well, he kind of did because he didn't sign his franchise tender, but uh, and work out the long-term deal with Houston anyways. So let's make it work. Let's make it work yeah. with the cap. I'm, I mean, you and me right now. I'm not, not the I'm not encouraging the Vikings. I'm saying, like, let's you and me make it work right now. How would they do it? Would they have to cut Riley Reef? Would they have to say, Anthony Harris, hey, about that franchise tag, my friend? Well... Sorry, but we're rescinding that to sign Jadavia and Clowney. Like, what would Oof, be? That's a bad look. Or, or could they say to Clowney, "Wait till June first, so we can cut one of these other guys that's salary cap is structured differently, and then we can make the cap space for you." Like, they don't have to really rush on signing the rookie class because nobody's getting out on any practice fields until training mm-hmm. camp. Um, so they can use that cap space and then figure it out later. Like how how would you do it if you were trying to get Jadavian Clowney here? Well, you need to move somebody on the roster, right? Because we've already in you you and I with our calculations, we've already allocated 
let's say five million, just call it an even five for the rookie class, and then there's about seven and a half, eight, whatever for Dalvin Cook, um, Anthony Harris, and then whatever else you have. So that's what's currently available. We know they're going, at least in our in our logic, they're going to extend Dalvin Cook. So that's already factored in here. Yeah. Well, I think you have to trade somebody, and whether that's Riley Reef. I mean, you're you're asking a lot then of Ezra Cleveland because yes. you are then automatically saying you are the left tackle, not yeah. the expected and the future left tackle. You are the left tackle day one, and that's a lot for somebody who's probably not going to have an off-season program where he's on the field learning how to be an NFL player. So I don't know if you really want to roll the dice there. To me, I think that you, you, you let Andre Patterson work with what you have um, – and the defensive linemen that, that are on the roster and the ones that you just brought in, because I just don't, I mean, I know that this was the whole argument of let's make this work. I can't see it working unless you mm. really want to, like, take a big hit somewhere else. Bringing back Everson Griffin seems like the logical move here because it's probably something you can get done on a much more um, bargain-friendly deal, team-friendly deal. I think I've got it. Tell me if you hate this, though. The okay. guy to to get rid of to throw over the side of the boat to sign Jadavian Clowney to a one-year deal, is Kyle Rudolph on a trade. Sure. If you traded Kyle Rudolph for a fourth-round pick next year, fifth-round pick next year, you would earn yourself $7.4 million in salary cap space. And if you are, you know, you're going one way with Delvin Cook, but you go back the other way with an Anthony Harris contract extension. And the one thing with Kyle Rudolph, as good as he is, and as much as we have urged Kirk Cousins to throw him the ball. I mean, I've packed, practically painted my body with throw it to Kyle, <laughs> but he doesn't do it. I mean, he just doesn't throw the ball to Kyle, even when the check down is right there. If there's a linebacker anywhere near Kyle Rudolph, not like what Sam Bradford did or Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater before him, uh, throw it to Kyle has just not really been a thing that. Kirk Cousins has embraced. Irv Smith is taking his big step next year. Mm-hmm. Tyler Conklin, they've been very happy with him over the last couple of seasons. Now, I know you don't want to remove weapons, especially since he had some great touchdown catches last year. It's just that if you're making an argument for which guy has sort of slipped down the depth chart a little bit or has you know become less of a weapon, maybe even than he should be, it might be... Kyle would be the move to give him an opportunity to play somewhere else where they could throw him the ball all the time and he can get 70 catches or something like that because next year, what would you project it at? Like 35 to 40? Yeah. I mean, he's got a huge cap hit this year, too, just for the position. I mean, yep. $8.8 million. And if you're in, you drafted Irv Smith to eventually replace Kyle Rudolph. So if you wanted to move on from him um, right now, I. I can make an argument for it. I also know the rhetoric that's been around him, and he had a really he has a really high cap hit this year. It's almost ten percent. Which you think about a restructure. Well, think about how long and tenuous and annoying, frankly, those contract <laughs> negotiations were yes. last year, and why yep. that thing dragged out till June. I don't think that the Vikings want to get into another contract negotiation restructure. Uh, oh, there's so many teams interested in me. Type of conversation with Kyle Rudolph and his representation because it just felt like that was a very long and drawn out process. Yep. Um, but, you know, it makes sense with the numbers if you want to do it. I just uh, want to make clear that it would have to be after June 1st to make yes, that work. Post-June post, post 1st, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think you could. I mean, I think you could do it and, and designate it as a post June one. Uh, because, I mean, you actually, you don't save that much against the cap, anyways. It's only like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but you would be moving um, that entire, you know, its entire base salary and the eight point eight million dollar cap hit off as well. So, it makes sense. I mean, but do you? Re- you're going to look at this as the argument of do you really need Jadavian Clowney on your defensive line? 
Yeah, and and so like who's, if you really believe that you do, then that's one thing. But I don't think they feel like they need some right. like very explosive pass rusher when they've got the guys. Like I feel like this is Andre Patterson and Mike Zimmer and their mm-hmm. chance to be like, hey, we drafted all these guys and we're kind of having this succession plan for a reason. Now's the chance to get it, to put it in action. Yeah, and they also didn't draft any tight ends to potentially fill in there uh, no. for that spot. Um, so it's not it's not like they showed us some sign and drafted a second round tight end or something that would say like, oh, okay. Uh, Goodbye, Kyle. And again, I don't think it's a great idea to move on. I just think if you're not going to maximize him, if you're not going to use him to all of his strengths and throw him the ball when it's third and five and he's six yards down the field, if you're not going to do that, then it makes more sense to move on from that salary cap hit that you signed last year before you knew that... um you know, Irv Smith was good. And I think Irv Smith is good. I saw somebody, I think it was in that Lock on Fora piece where he said, like, Irv Smith didn't show anything last year. And like, let's take a closer look at when Adam Thielen was out and the way that he blocked as well. He really actually did look quite good last year. I was very impressed by Irv Smith. And if they were too, then he's going to be your guy as opposed to Rudolph. But, um, you know, it's, it's not a wise move to take another weapon away from Kirk Cousins overall. It's just if we were going to make it work, that's the way to do it. I would also say about the Riley Reef thing, there are some people that want to just shoot him into space. And I think that, you know, it's sort of the... Careful what you wish right. for. I'd rather yes. have an... If I was a fan, I would much rather have an above average to good left tackle who is giving you consistent play. Whether that's consistently good or consistently bad, it's one thing. But I think that you can all argue that he was an above average left tackle. He's not great, but... Be careful what you wish for. If you if you said just cut him, just cut him, just trade him, I keep seeing that in my mentions, and I don't yep. think people realize the consequence of moving on from a stable left tackle who has held that down for you for three seasons now, amid all of the uncertainty of knowing about this offensive line and what we do know. That is Ezra Cleveland going to be able to take over that position day one? I mean, careful what you wish for. Yeah, stable is exactly the way that I would describe Riley Reef because if you throw a rookie in there and you don't know what you're going to get, it might be a hell of a lot less than stable. Even a guy that I'm high on, Andre Dillard, last year, he had to fill in for Jason Peters at times, and he got smoked. So like that, that tends to be how it works um, a lot with rookie tackles. So it might be better to to let him get some time to develop behind Riley Reef. Um, and then Reef gives you that flexibility of potentially moving him inside if Ezra Cleveland surprises you. So let's let's take a break. Um, sorry, Jonathan. I know we went longer than expected. I we can get was, into this again, uh, but definitely we can. I also want to do something fun based on something that Frank Reich said on a Zoom call when we come back. He made a a really interesting comparison to one of his players, and I want to make NFL comparisons with you to the guys that the Vikings drafted. Let's do that when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. 
Jonathan here with the Score North Download. Minnesota sports fans, we want to hear from you as we continue to battle the coronavirus pandemic together. Got something to say about Minnesota sports? Need to tell us something right now? Leave us a mic drop message on the free Score North mobile app. You may even hear yourself on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, Score North social media, or that free Score North mobile app on that Score North mobile app and over at scorenorth.com right now for free. If you missed the last segment, Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin talked about what's left on the Vikings offseason checklist. If you missed that segment, the written version of that is over at scorenorth.com as well as Collar's profiles on a couple of the Vikings draft picks in Cameron Dantzler and KJ Osborne. So go check those out for free right now over at scorenorth.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you very much, Jonathan. We will have hot routes coming up at 3 o'clock, but I was uh, looking at something with, uh, with Frank Reich, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, the other day, and he was talking about one of the prospects who was on my list of guys who will definitely hit in the draft, which I kept here in the studio next to me. Courtney, your list and my list and Myron Metcalf's list as well, just so we could keep track of those. Um, but Michael Pittman was on my list. He was my number two, other than uh, Andrew Thomas, of guys that I think will be really, really good from the draft. And Frank Reich said that Michael Pittman reminds him of Vincent Jackson, which is a great pull. Like, Vincent Jackson, remember him? Uh, and he said he thinks he might be the best receiver in the whole draft. So hyperbole coming from Frank Reich. So I thought it would be fun, Courtney, if we made some NFL comparisons to the guys that we're at least able to find enough information on and tape on Mm -hmm. to analyze in the draft. So from the first four rounds of what they are most likely to become, not necessarily what their ceiling is. Because I think the ceiling on a lot of guys is like, well, Hall of Fame, I guess, right? I mean, ceiling on Jeff Gladney is what? Becoming a superstar, but um, it's not the most likely outcome. So, So let's do this with Justin Jefferson. Who could Justin Jefferson become? Like, what's the most likely receiver that he ends up similar to? Jarvis Landry, maybe? Ooh. Tyler Tyler Boyd? I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, because it looks like he projects as a slot receiver. I know that he yep. said that, you know, most of his career until 2019 he spent outside uh, as an X or a Z, but it looks like he's probably going to be a slot receiver because he had 100 catches in the slot last yeah, year. they did it for a reason. Yes, of his 111. And, you know, think about... Where Stephon Diggs, you know, he bounced around, you know, one year under Norv, he's out, I believe under Norv, he was outside, right? Then they moved him back inside and they yep. moved him outside. Like, they need that flexibility of somebody who is very dynamic in the slot and be able to do other stuff with Adam Thielen. So I think that Landry, at least just when I think about it, you think about guys who are kind of of that similar build, have that catch radius, all those same skills. That to me seemed like the first one, at least, that came to my mind. And, you know, he's got great hands. Jarvis Landry has really good hands. Um, so, I mean, that to me, I think, is the ceiling ceiling. Because Jarvis is a really good player. Like, yeah. is, he, yep. is he elite at his position? I think that people will argue that. But, um, you know, and that's kind of in that same Diggs realm. Without me going and saying he could be Stephon Diggs. Because that would be the most likely answer if you were brought in to replace this guy. That's at least where you're the... The floor is, right? But I think it's a good one. What do you think? um, I think that that's a really good one. Tyler Boyd is a good poll. I'm not sure people are familiar with Tyler Boyd (laughs) because uh, 
He's Tyler Boyd, and he plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the one that came to mind for me is a guy who I, I pulled up, and I'm sure you did too, slot performance. So who had the most catches out of the slot last year? Tyler Boyd was top five mm-hmm. for slot catches, and Jarvis Landry was in the top 15. Allen Robinson is a guy that he sort okay. of reminds me of because now Allen Robinson is great with route running and we don't know how good Jefferson's going to be at the NFL level at creating separation because we don't find that out until they're really out there against NFL corners because of the difference. But one thing that Allen Robinson's great at, he is going up and getting it, like the contested catch from Allen Robinson. And I, and I think from watching Justin Jefferson, it's the same deal. The contested catch, the ball tracking, he's really great at it, lines up in the slot a lot. And he had 47 catches for 560 yards out of the slot last year. And I think that that's probably on the higher end because I have a lot of respect for Allen uh, Robinson. Landry is probably a little bit closer, um, but that name I would throw out there as well because it's it's really a mix mash of what you find in the slot now. Like mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett or Julian Edelman, a little bit uh, smaller. Know, yeah, smaller or slower guys. Keenan sure. Allen and Cooper Cup are not burners, but they sure as heck know how to get open. Uh, same with Michael Thomas, obviously, who is known for lining up a lot in the slot. So I think there's some good comparisons there. Jeff Gladney, undersized corner by a little, not like real small, but only about 5'10", can jump, plays really tough. Who do you think of when you think Jeff Gladney? Marcus Peters. Toughness, can make plays on the ball. Um, way he plays the game, like he's going to take your head off. Like <laughs> I don't know, that's the first person I thought about. Is that wrong or is that right? No, I think that, that where it's right is that Marcus Peters is intense. Yeah. Like the, the ball hawking is another thing it's just hard to know. Like, is is Jeff Gladney going to take big risks and sometimes give up touchdowns in order to get some interceptions, which Marcus Peters does a lot, and he gives them up and he gets them? Um, I, th- I think that's good. I don't know how big how big is Marcus Peters. I'm going to have to look. Is he taller? Oh, no, he's only 6'195". Six, yeah, six like yeah, and that's that's kind of in the same range. I know that... Gladney's um, faster. Yes, and he has length. Like That's the big thing that Rick Spielman was touting, just how much longer he can essentially play the game. And I mean, that that helps with, if, you're, if, you're, if you're closing in on a guy, your closing speed's one thing, uh, but also how you can like tighten tight windows to begin with, if that makes sense, by getting yeah. a hand in there. I mean, he's got length to do that. So I think he actually is probably better, projects better than Marcus Peters in that sense, just from like the physical tools and what he can do with them. For a size comparison, maybe DJ Hayden, but I don't know how high... Or how much people know about DJ Hayden? He's sort of bounced around. One of around. the better. I mean, but he was yeah, good, he had a good last season year. Season last year. Yeah, he was very good last year. Uh, you know, I think that it's easy to make this comparison, but I also think it's true: is that he can be what the Vikings want Mike Hughes to be. Also, that Hughes might have a little more athleticism to him than Gladney, but neither one of them is a crazy freak athlete. Gladney's really fast, but strong, shorter, might be able to play inside. That's the other part of it too: is that you know he might ultimately end up being an, an inside guy eventually down yeah. the road, and that changes the comparison for sure of, of who he could ultimately become. No, absolutely. And it's like, where does he best project? I mean, I think a lot of teams had him in that star position um, of where he you know could go from his college career to the height of his NFL career, that he was like the number one, I've heard from one team, that he was the number one star on their board. Um, and that's obviously like the hybrid type position. I mean, a lot of colleges play the money position. Yeah. I've heard of that, like same thing. So um, 
I think he projects as an inside guy just from the size and the length, but we'll see. I mean, he's probably going to have to start outside, which, of course, as you mentioned, would change the projection. Um I mean, I'm not getting the- a whole lot of help from other websites on like who he compares to. Um, NFL.com has him Sidney Jones. I'm like, has Sidney the, the guy who played for Philly? I was gonna say, has he played Sidney Jones? Hurt. He's like barely played, so He's I don't know played. if I can really get much out of that. I'll see what PFF had for his uh, comparison. It's a little bit harder because how many guys are outside or inside, and we don't really know yet. Sure. Uh, how about Ezra Cleveland, the freakishly athletic left tackle? who is not the most powerful guy in the world. Well, I mean, I know this is going to sound like a lazy projection, but I think Brian O'Neill is his, I mean, and and we don't, Brian's story hasn't been written yet. He's only going into his third season, but that's just the natural comparison because of how, how similar both of their draft profiles were, the things that the Vikings liked in both of them, um, the high ceiling, like, High risk, or not high risk, but like high ceiling, high reward yeah. for, for these type of tackles. And I mean, think about the one thing we talked about with O'Neill, that 4.93 second 40-yard dash. Yep. Same thing similarly with Ezra Cleveland, too. Or excuse me, Ezra Cleveland had the 4.93 second 40. Let me look up Brian's really quick. Uh, but, I mean, your favorite site, Mock Draftable. Yeah, I get it here. Brings, you know, they, they, they talk yeah, about it. Like, eight, four, eight, so yeah, it was in so the same, similar. same range. And, one of the fastest to run run the, at the, his position at the combine, and from the measurable standpoint, I think both of them look very similar, just in terms of build, in terms of where they project. Both, you know, they are true tackles in the NFL, and they've got the size and range to play in his own scheme. So that's good. You don't have to teach that, and you probably can't teach that. Um, but I just don't know. Like how soon he'll be ready. That's the only thing. That's why I think I, I kind of went with the safe answer. I didn't project it out far ahead. I'm just projecting it out what we saw with Brian O'Neill and how much he had to expedite his own growing process in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I kind of see the same route, at least, that Ezra Cleveland's probably going to have to take if he's going to have to play this year. I saw this comparison before he was even drafted to Brian O'Neill for Ezra Cleveland. It just makes a lot of sense in terms of their size, their athleticism, and what they need to do in order to be a very good player in the NFL. So I, I like that comparison, even though it's sort of you know just on the other side of the offensive line. And we'll find out if Ezra Cleveland is up to the challenge to play left tackle. I would prefer if Brian O'Neill stayed where he was long term mm-hmm. and just continued to be very good at that. How about Cam Dantzler, like a a really tall and lanky corner who is not the fastest, though I do think he is faster than the forty yard dash would suggest, yes. don't you? Yes, I do. And I actually went back and did quite a bit of research on this because it just reminded me. I was like, okay, he's tiny. Like They call him the Needle. That's his nickname. Um, And I was like, I know I'm thinking of somebody who played at Mississippi State long long before I got there uh, and reminded me of him. So I kept like racking my brain and racking my brain. I'm like, I got it. Jonathan Banks. Because he was 6'1", 185 coming out of college before he was drafted in the second round uh, by the Bucks in 13. And that was his number one thing. Like I'm looking at his draft profile right now. Weaknesses. Getting bigger, but still quite thin, especially in his lower half. Strong backs can carry, can still carry him when they have a head of full steam. Of, well, this is garbage. I can't even read this. But anyways, <laughs> like... He didn't have the same sort of straight line speed that I know that we're kind of questioning. Okay, well, Cam Dantzler ran that bad 40. He made up for it with the one that he ran at the Baton Rouge Pro Day, whatever. But um, 
I think being able to look at him from a physical standpoint, because Jonathan Banks had a good career. You know, he played for four different teams from 13 to 17. I mean, it was a pretty solid NFL career. I know that that's probably like the floor, but at least just in terms of comparison, because Jonathan Banks was compared to Aqib Tlaib, and that was his ceiling when he was coming out. Mm -hmm. But given that I I know the defense that both of these two players were in, yes, they had different position coaches. Deshae Townsend was the one who spent most of his time with uh, Cameron Dantzler at Mississippi State, and, and Banks was on a different staff, but... I know the way that they they coach their cornerbacks there and they coach their secondary because I covered the team for several years, and I think that they both project, at least to me, very linear paths. I don't remember enough about Jonathan Banks to um, argue the points. <laughs> I'll just have to go with you on that one. I don't really remember his NFL career that well, but I, I, I think um, a, a comparison that Mike Zimmer might have had in his mind would be Drake Kirkpatrick. Okay. Because Drake Kirkpatrick was 6'1", 186 coming out. Uh, so another guy so that's tiny. Un- yeah, under 200 but tall and ran a 4'5", So unimpressive overall 40, which is probably if Cameron Dantzler maybe had gotten a little better at working on it or hadn't been trying to put on weight, whatever it was, it was a disastrous 40-yard dash for him. And I, I'm mm-hmm. certain he's quicker than that. He probably ends up somewhere in the 4'5". That video of him running a 4''38", uh, I, I guess I could make a video of myself running a four three eight if that's him running a four three eight. Speed it up a little bit. Yeah, just, right. Just do um, a little do it like a hundred and ten percent speed on that one. But <laughs> but but I, I think there's a comparison there of what Mike Zimmer would like somebody who is tall and lanky and maybe not the fastest. Um, but it's hard to to look at his play speed because he ran with Jamar Chase and Jamar Chase is yeah. really darn fast. And that's that was his best film of the 2019 season. And that's something that the Vikings when they talk about drafting these guys and when you're in the SEC they want to see okay how do you match up with the best talent when you were playing in on the biggest stage and, and he held his own there and I think the Jamar Chase thing really helped his draft stock uh, to where he was taken in the third round yeah. because he was between a second and third round pick and I don't know uh, how much that 40 time would have hurt him had that Jamar Chase how we contain Jamar Chase not been applicable essentially to his overall body of work portfolio yeah I, I think that that was probably the most attractive thing and I know that the Vikings always talk about they look at how the guy played against the best competition and I, I think that's smart so they'll go back and say hey Garrett Bradbury played really well against Clemson it's one of the reasons we like him um, and how you play against the best is going to give you the best indication of how someone might turn out, or at least logically speaking, that sounds good to me. Um, I'm trying to find, so Pro Football Focus's draft guide has uh, comparables on all of these. Ezra Cleveland's going to drive people crazy because it's Matt Khalil. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, maybe it's like what Matt Khalil could have been. been. Yeah. It would be uh, for him. I mean, I mean, but to think about it, like they make these projections, and I know that scouts hate that question of who does he look like to yeah. you? And it's like, yeah. let me project five years down the line. Let's take this. I mean, for the next one, uh, DJ Wanham, I mean, I remember on Saturday. Specific- oh, you made the internet mad. I made, I made a lot of people mad online because all I said was that, hey, wow, looking at him, like he looks kind of like Daniil Hunter, like physically looks like him coming out of college. Yes, Daniil Hunter was allegedly twitchier. That's what I checked in on. That's mm, what twitchier. I, was, I know. I love How did that you word. not know that? I mean, apparently that's like the one, the big thing that separated him coming out of LSU versus DJ Wanham coming out of uh, South Carolina. But, um, I mean, physically speaking, like, you can, that's the only. Who has the quickest twitch? (laughs) Whose hips are the most oily? 
You didn't even Who know who has the quickest switch? long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft I mean, guess not. Guess are, not. You didn't even you know say, he's twitchy. Are you saying that it, you're rescinding my title that huh? you uh, that you legally changed my name yeah, to? Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm rethinking it after you didn't realize how twitchy one guy was and not the other. Well, can we can we go to DJ Wanham really quickly before we hit the break? Because I do want to give my yeah, projection. I mean, if, it's um, not Daniil Hunter. If you want him to be the guy we talk about. <laughs> I hate you. We <laughs> should just quit the show. Um, <laughs> Preston Smith. I worked hard on this one. Because oh, okay. I'm like, sure, I'm like, I see can't, that. I'm like, it can't be Daniil Hunter because everybody will come and hate me again if I say that. I mean, even though that's a fantastic ceiling. If, if Daniil Hunter is what you're trying to be, the guy had 50 sacks by the time he was 25, sure. Um, I think Preston Smith is a good one here. Yeah, I like that. Um, I didn't think as deeply about DJ Wanham because I was trying to think, like, more likely than not, he doesn't become that good, right? I mean, it's just... Fourth round draft pick? Guy, I don't guy, know. They develop guys there. They do. They do. And and I and I have all the respect for um, Andre Patterson, and I think he's the low-key MVP of the organization, honestly. But, yes. uh, you know, I think with Daniil Hunter, they just they landed something that you almost never get, and it's the combination of freakish athleticism that was untapped, but also a personality that is just... Something special. I mean, his work ethic, his intelligence, he's one of the smartest guys you ever talk to, and he's just like a different kind of dude. And I, and I don't know that you can really repeat that, and you kind of got a lucky situation, and they've tried to do it with other guys, and mm-hmm. you know, you end up with Adearuna sometimes, and we never see him. So I, I, I'm not trying to be a hater on DJ Wanham. We'll see how it looks. Um, but I, I, I go, you know, okay, hey, Take the take your shots on somebody who's freakishly athletic who played at a very good program, but like don't count on this becoming somebody who turns into a star. I guess and uh, Preston Smith is a good. I think he's a good ceiling for him. Would mm-hmm. be Preston Smith. I'm trying to find uh, who uh, PFF compared DJ Wanham to, but there's a lot of W edge rushers. So I keep scrolling. Sure. I mean, I think that a rotational defensive end. A solid rotational defensive yeah. end is exactly where he projects. Now, if he can get beyond that, because I need, I would need to think back to. I mean, I know what the draft rhetoric was around Daniil Hunter coming out of college in the third round, um, and you know he had four and a half sacks. That was the only reason for a lot of people why he was not a first round pick. The sack yep. numbers, uh, and because they had stars in that defense, um, you know, Barkevius Mingo. Like, I mean, think about the guys that they had there. In at you know playing for John Chavis at LSU, I mean he had to rotate. He didn't get you know he wasn't playing ninety percent of snaps because they just had you know a murderer's row of guys. So I think that that certainly hurt him. Now Wanham, I don't really know like was that the same case for him at South Carolina? Did South Carolina do any? Do they ever do anything in the SEC East? <laughs> is a real question there. Um, but you know I I think that. It, Rotational defensive end, yeah, and yep. probably you know is in a four three. Like, can does he need? Let, let, let's go full on scout here. Does he lack the twitch to be an immediate mm, impact player? I, you I mean, don't we got I don't know. That's what I we lost found my out title. Today is we you found don't know. It out, so. You don't know if he has the twitch. Uh, the comparisons that I found of him are of people I've never heard of. So like, <laughs> PFF's draft guide, Duke. OG of four? I, I don't remember that person at all playing in the NFL, but uh, you know Preston Smith is a good ceiling on that, so I'll, I'll go with you on that one. 
because of you know the size, the lankiness, and, and somebody who does have some flaws in his game, but at least can make an impact uh, on the pass rush and sort of looks like an outside linebacker slash defensive yes. end. Yeah, uh, I like ha- the flexibility there. We have some hot routes to talk about when it comes up next, uh, when we come back, and I'm excited about these. I mean, there's some good ones, but don't you want to hear my last two really quick? Before oh, sure, yeah, James Lynch and uh, Troy Dye. Go ahead. Yeah, so James Lynch is Larry Ogunjobi place for the Cleveland Browns, and Troy Dye is Darius Leonard. Pro Bowl version, all pro version of Darius Really? Leonard. Okay, yep. wow. You kind of went all in on that one then. You know, you gave me an assignment, and I do my assignments full speed ahead, and I give 100% That's what real scouts do. Yep. Aside, grind, it, grind in the tape. Aside from the Twitch issue, you're still courting our draft scout. Thank you. Uh, we'll just have to remove that, and we'll just like edit it out. <laughs> Who has the... <laughs> yeah, get Manny back in here. Come <laughs> up with something else. Come with something else that you can spot when scouting. All right, uh, hot routes when we return. And then uh, we also want to go back to that Riley Reef conversation at some point as well. Uh, this is Purple Daily on Score North. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business during the coronavirus pandemic. You can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North app. We are all in this together, and we need your support to help our local community. To hear from our area partners, please visit scorenorth.com and use the keyword open. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rocks on Purple Daily. I have a question that's a hot route, but I didn't write it. So just tell me what you guys think. Because I just saw this and it's golden. Brandon Cooks said that being traded three times means he's wanted. You guys want to just you guys just want to try to rationalize something like just take something that's that's not good and just rationalize the heck out of it so we can all pretend to be Brandon Cooks. Well, he also said earlier, uh, my colleague Sarah Barshop was on a conference call and quoted, I got off the phone with Bill O'Brien and felt like I wanted to run through a brick wall. That could be interpreted so many ways. Like, get me the hell out of here. I am going to go insane. I want to smash my head into a wall. I have concussion issues. Like, Brandon Cooks needs to start providing a little context to things. Otherwise, we're just going to be able to... We can't take him at face I, value. I do love how specific he was about the type of wall. Because, like... Brick wall. When you, you just, oh, I want to run through walls for this guy. But, like, brick walls are pretty hard to run through. So that you could just hurt yourself, Brandon Cooks. So does anybody want to try... I rationalize something like, um, how about, uh, you know, there, I was playing basketball this morning, and the reason I didn't dunk was because it can hurt your fingers. I mean, <laughs> you know, our, our former colleague, Danny Cunningham, he could dunk, and he used to hurt his fingers all the time. Who wants that? I need these fingers. That's why I didn't do it. I mean, sometimes <laughs> when I run, and this is not, this is just more me, like, playing, not being mentally tough. I'm not. I'm, I'm weak. Um... Like when I say, okay, run to the stop sign over there. Like you can stop running and you can walk. Because I, to, I try to go two miles straight. And sometimes I'll stop right before it and be like, ah, oh, it's fine. Like you'll make up for it on the next two miles that you run after you take this little break. 
I guess that's kind of me rationalizing, even though I'm like, just finish it, you softy. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, Run through a brick wall. I mean, I guess um, I, need, I need to start being friends with Brandon Cooks. Maybe he can give me some of that mindset. Jonathan, rationalize something like Brandon Cooks. Mine would probably be along the same lines as Courtney. The reason why I don't, or just different. Except for you don't or, run at all. Yeah, not too much. That miles. would be. <laughs> The reason why I don't run is I'm saving my knees for later. Yeah, that's good. That's, hey, that's, good that's it right along the lines. You could also say, so I discovered yesterday that I am 113 games into a season of Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest. <laughs> I'm like, coronavirus, guys, I had to do it. Like, <laughs> I, I might have been doing it anyway, but like, you know, just I'm stuck at home. Like, well, what else am I going to do? Okay, I have a good one. Um, I've been baking a lot. And it's like, well, I don't have anything else to do when these bananas are going bad, so I have to make banana bread. Except for that sort of reflects well on you, unlike Brandon Cooks. <laughs> like, like well, I mean, you cooking banana bread is great. Like, Brandon Cooks being traded three times is not great, but he's trying to spin that some other way. Now, well, I, I think he maybe he means that the fact that he hasn't been outright cut and that he keeps being, <laughs> yeah. he keeps being moved around. And, it's like, well, they, they, hey, he, you know what he thinks? He, he's very aware. He has a keen sense of his trade value. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely does. He, Three a, trades into it. This is a man who knows his worth. Yeah. Why are we trying to say anything otherwise? Uh, that's, that, that is great. Um, okay, so we can rationalize almost as well as Brandon Cook saying he's wanted. That's, uh, that's why it makes him feel good to have been traded three times. All right, on to our other hot routes here. That was a bonus hot route. The Chargers hired Pep Hamilton. He was a head coach in the XFL. R.I.P. XFL. Pour out a little Diet Dr. Pepper for you. Miss you, XFL. Um, I want you guys to tell me your favorite player or coach to ever play in a side league. So USFL, UFL, XFL, doesn't matter. Uh, AAF, your favorite player to ever or coach to ever come out of one of those leagues. Well, um, I went and thought about the XFL, and I know the number one person I am not a fan of is Mark Tressman. Um, <laughs> what? You have a beef with Mark Tressman? I just, I mean... I mean, he wasn't, like, good at stuff. No, it's he, just so... He, but, he, but they kept him around way too long in Chicago, and oh, it was okay. just like, That's, oh my gosh. I was like, like what's the connection here? Well, I mean, he was in the XFL, and you mentioned somebody who was in the XFL. Yeah, so. but I didn't know you could like hate Mark Tressman. He's he's the most vanilla guy ever. I know that's why he's so boring, and he keeps like just he's like a cockroach. You can't kill him. He keeps getting these jobs. Anyways, Bob Stoops. If we're staying on the XFL level, because of how awesome he was in college, and you know he won a national championship, he slaughtered the Big Twelve. Like he's awesome, and now he's in the XFL. I don't know what he did in Dallas, the Dallas Renegades, but um. I know he is an XFL coach. I do know that. He uh, definitely stoops to that level. <laughs> you are going to... I need a, If I wasn't at home doing the show, I would I need to be so able to have right access to a buzzer that I could just yeah. hit repeatedly every time he makes one of these awful puns. I thought you were going to get more violent than that. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, your favorite player or coach to ever come out of a side league? Player would probably be Kurt Warner, but my favorite coach... Ooh, that's a good pull. My favorite coach to... Well, he didn't really come out of a side league because he didn't really do anything afterwards. Brad Childress and coaching in the AAF because he quit a month before that's their right. first game. That's right. That's right. To go be in Chicago. He doesn't yeah. really count because yeah. he said, no, I'm not doing it. But that is a good story. He went through training camp and everything and started him off. And then just like, ah, never mind. These players are probably too bad for me to coach. I'm going to go... 
coach for the Chicago Bears. Maybe he realized he was never getting a paycheck. Like That was <laughs> yeah, never going to happen. Too. He met the owners of the teams and said, no one's ever paying me for this. Um, well, I'll go with a few. Sam Mills played in the USFL and should be in the Hall of Fame. One of my favorite players of all time. Keep pounding. Did you know this, Courtney? Yeah, he in crea- Carolina, yes, he created I know. That. He created yep. that. Yes, yep. I'm well aware. Sam, okay, I'm sorry. I just didn't know. Sam Mills is an old player. Uh, so Sam Mills is, is a great pick. Tommy Maddox, the all-time XFL player. Rod Smart, the he-hate-me XFL player. <laughs> our, our buddy Dennis Green from Minnesota uh, coached in the UFL. And I forget, was it Sacramento Mountain Lions was the team that he coached for? And I swear Dante Culpepper also played in that league. I, I'm, I think right. that Dante Culpepper played in the UFL. So did J.P. Lossman. One of my favorite stories is that J.P. Lossman was signed to a $1 million contract with the UFL. Like They really thought it was going to work, and it did not. It blew up in their faces very, very quickly. Uh, but there, there are many different uh, players who played, of course, in the USFL. Warren Moon, Jim Kelly, uh, Herschel Walker played in the, in the uh, Reggie White. So a lot, a lot of different options. But I think that Tommy Maddox remains the all-time great story. And I'm hoping that we see P.J. Walker get to play in the NFL at I some point. He was so fun in the XFL. He, correct me if I'm wrong. He signed somewhere in Carolina. Yep. Carolina. Carolina. Okay. So, um, you know, I hope it works out for Teddy, as we all do, uh, you know, after everything he went through. But I'd like to see P.J. Walker getting some games. I'll be interested to watch preseason to see how he looks in the NFL. Um, Rob Gronkowski accidentally spilled the beans a little bit that he had the Tampa Bay playbook before he was traded there. And then he came out on Twitter and said, guys, I'm just drunk. I just joke and say stuff that's not true. <laughs> right. I didn't break no rules. Just Gronky being Gronk. Uh Sure, he didn't. Um, I want you guys to give me Gronk's stat line, though. Like, what what does he do in Tampa Bay this year? Do we think uh, getting the playbook early helped Gronk? <laughs> probably not. Uh, I don't know when he's going to dive into that. I think he's probably busy TikToking with his model girlfriend, uh, excuse me, wife, fiance, whatever she is. Um, that's probably what he's doing instead of diving into the playbook. How healthy is he? How's his back going to fare up? I don't know. I'll go ahead and set the bar at. 50 catches, 600 yards, four touchdowns. Jonathan? I'm a little bit more positive just because looking at his stats when he had really good seasons with the Patriots, he was generally around like 80 catches, over 1,000 yards, and uh, double-digit touchdowns. I think because he's probably, well, he already is the most well-connected receiver that Brady has down in Tampa Bay. I'm going to give him 65 to 75 receptions, about 800 to 900 yards, and probably 12 touchdowns just because he's already the most well-connected guy with his quarterback down there in Tampa Bay. None of the other receivers have ever played with him before, and he's still probably he's still probably the best red zone target in the NFL. I'm going to be conservative here because I just think that he'll be injured. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah. if you get 10 games out of Gronk, then you've done a great job. So I'm going to go with 38 catches for 452 yards and like four touchdowns because... Those other receivers, I see your logic, Jonathan, where you're like, well, he's never worked with them before, but they are also awesome. Yes. They're super good at football, and he should be throwing to them a ton. Um, Maybe he's going to rely on Gronk a lot when he's in the game, but I just have trouble seeing him coming back and having to put on all the weight again. Who knows how healthy he is, and then just exploding. I think he could be really effective, but maybe not what he used to be. Um, In terms of. Well, and also, too, he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like. 
the old adage of there's only one ball to go around. I mean, that's kind yeah, of that. that's heard kind that. of the thing in Tampa right now. I've <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> of all the things we should just ban people from saying, like, oh, there's only one football. Oh, yeah, that is true. That's a great point. Uh, next question for you guys. Jameis Winston, this goes under rationalizing things as well, said he has LASIK eye surgery that helps now his depth perception. So that was why he threw all the interceptions. Okay, you know, Brandon Cooks was traded because everyone loves Brandon Cooks. And Winston threw it to the other team constantly because he couldn't see them there. Uh, it was fine at seeing them at Florida State, I think, but then just... And also went, what, five years as a starting quarterback and nobody said, how's your vision? Anyway, uh, this is the Major League excuse, the movie Major League, and I'm not really buying it. But I want you guys to tell me what the funniest excuse you've ever heard for why a player couldn't hack it in the NFL. They're asked, you know, why were you a bust? Why didn't it work out? What's the problem? And they said what? Well, I don't know if this is like... He, he worked out in the NFL. Like, he was, you know, he was fine. He was a good quarterback. Donovan McNabb. Do you remember, like, that game? I forget what it was. Um, maybe against the Bengals, where he didn't know it could end in a tie. <laughs> <laughs> and he played, like, just just awful that day. He had, like, yeah. three interceptions or something. But he, I remember the excuse afterwards was, I didn't know it could end in a tie. I didn't know games could end in a tie. Yeah, it's kind of a lame it, excuse. It, it falls right? under the same category of like why you tied, and it was because I, mean, I didn't know it could be a tie. Don't you remember what was it, Stacy Coley or who the guy? Remember he um, just yeah, dropped dropped the ball, dropped the ball, yep. dropped the ball in the end zone. He <laughs> didn't know we had to go after it was a live ball. He's like, oh, I don't know those rules. Well, I wonder why you got cut the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing the rules is a good place to start with football, especially if you're or a really, seventh round pick. My really, Lord. any sport, the rules would be a good idea. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan? Do you have one for a guy who didn't work out and then made a very funny excuse for why he didn't work out? Uh, mine's probably the the first time we heard, one of the first times we heard the depth perception issue is Troy Williamson. Yes. Yep. They used that as his reason why he couldn't catch a ball in the NFL despite, you know, a Tavares Jackson pass hitting him right in the face mask in Denver. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with our old buddy Laquan Treadwell saying he never tried to run routes before. He didn't know what a route tree was. That's pretty good. And it good. told him, told him <laughs> take off up, and I mean, go down real far. It's probably true, but you don't say it out loud, man. You know, I, I wouldn't put that out there. Wouldn't say <laughs> Never that. Never tried routes before. What, what, what position do you play? Receiver? <laughs> oh, is, is, is what round did you get drafted in? Is that going to be first? a problem? Uh, I heard that Jamarcus Russell was so unmotivated that they had to buy him food to get him to come to their oh, film yeah. session. Don't yeah. you remember the story that John <laughs> Filippo? I remember when he was on, um, when he first came to the Vikings, I remember just Googling him and, and trying to learn about him. And he talked about, on a podcast somewhere, uh, they gave him that fake DVD and yes. said, yes. watch the... Kirk play. Morrison told that story, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he came back the next day like, hey, what'd you think? Like, you know, he's like, oh yeah, loved it. I'm all good. All in. No <laughs> playbook. And it was like... It was some DVD of like, I don't know, like a, a movie or something. It was a comedy or something. It just, yeah, he was not the brightest. Uh, no. So I'm sure there are more that we can dig up. And if we do, then uh, f- uh, feel free to tweet them at me for players who had hilarious excuses for why they didn't work out. But um, that was sort of specifically for Laquan. But uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't see is a great one. I mean, just like, why'd I you throw all those interceptions? Me in the face, mask. man. Couldn't see nothing out there. <laughs> 
Well, you're a quarterback. You never thought about this, like that you couldn't read street signs or anything. Well, you know, maybe was, I should get this fixed. What was his thing the other day that he said? Yeah, I'm really excited to get to learn under a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, before I was using Google. <laughs> what? Like what? Yeah. Byron Leftwich. So how'd you get along with Ryan Fitzpatrick? I guess not well then, huh? Yeah, I mean, well, Harvard-educated Ryan Fitzpatrick probably doesn't have time for somebody who's... It's basically like a doctor like using WebMD to like diagnose something. I also saw a lot of people questioning, like, well, why did he take a contract that was only worth a million bucks? And like, look, I know there are other quarterbacks who also get, like, are backups that make a little bit more money than him. They Those guys didn't get suspended for four games for groping an Uber driver also. You know, like, mm-hmm. they don't come with the risk and... Um, you know, thirty interceptions either. Some some of them are bad. Like Nathan Peterman having a job and making more money is is bad. But still, like this this is a guy who has a pretty shady past that I wouldn't want to put a whole lot of money into myself. Uh, all right, Brett Favre said Aaron Rodgers is going to play somewhere else, as we spent most of the show yesterday <laughs> on. Thank you, Brett. What current quarterbacks will play their whole career in one place? The easy answer here is Mitchell Trubisky because he'll be out of a job soon. <laughs> so Chicago. Terrific. See, I look at Trubisky. To... I look at him like he plays for eleven teams. Like just people keep picking him up, and he's a backup, and then he wins ten games for somebody, and they sign him to an extension that makes no sense, and then he's terrible. Like he just has journeyman written all over him to me. Could as, as funny as that is, like I think your answer is terrific. But my more realistic answer is Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't think he yeah. ever leaves Kansas City. Be be silly. I mean, if if the trajectory continues, unless he has some massive fall off or gets injured, I think that he is the starting quarterback indefinitely for the Kansas City Chiefs until he retires. One guy I'm ruling out Deshaun Jackson because, or not Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson because O'Brien will find some way to trade him for a stupid I price. For a fourth round pick. I thought of that too. Like, <laughs> or he's just going to say, "Look, it's been great, but uh, <laughs> I ain't signing this contract no matter hasn't. how much money you throw in front oh, of me." I saw that he was on a Zoom call or something. This is so great that we're getting access to all these people's comments that we normally wouldn't. He was on something or Instagram Live. And uh, somebody asked him what his favorite, who his favorite teammates ever were, and he's like, "Well, you know, Tyron Matthew and DeAndre Hopkins." Like <laughs> I didn't say it like that, but he said DeAndre Hopkins. Like that's <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> Don't sign the contract Do extension not. to Sean Watson. Pick your next destination. Um, I'm going to go Lamar Jackson. I just don't like. I know the Ravens are smart, and if he gets to the point where he's not worth that money at the end of his career anymore, they'll get rid of him. But I just don't see them getting rid of him at any point because he's just that good. That's always the hard one is would any of these young quarterbacks who are great be 37 yeah. and not great anymore and their team just be like, look, it's it's been amazing. You're in our ring of honor, but you're going to the Jets. You know, just, <laughs> That's the hard one to figure out. Uh, Russell Wilson would be yeah. my answer for this one, one, that Seattle will, will stick with him for a really long time. I think he actually ages pretty well um, because he's so good in the pocket. When he decides to stay in the pocket, he's incredibly accurate there. Aside from that, though, it's hard to put money on anybody. I mean, Dak Prescott, they haven't even signed an extension. Matt Stafford, they could trade him next year. Mahomes is the right answer, um, but you know, we could see Derek Carr being gone quickly. Um, ben Roethlisberger is only a year or two away from retirement. But Baker Mayfield, this is like make or break for Baker Mayfield. Jared Stidham is obviously the right answer to this. 
But even even Carson Wentz, they just drafted another quarterback, and, and yeah. that's that's the point with how hard it is to stay in one place for an entire career. And there's only a few guys who could possibly yep. do that. Um, okay, final question here for Hot Routes: The Bengals cut Andy Dalton, which LOL Bears. All you had to do was just hang out and wait. They would have cut him for you. Giving you a better quarterback than Nick Foles. Would you rather have Andy Dalton or Cam Newton? And where do we think Andy Dalton lands? Additional side question would be, like, does he get a chance to start? Um, I think I'd rather have Andy Dalton just because I know that there's not an injury history I'm working with. He's been consistent. He's been average grits in that sense. I mean, he's he finished, what, second in passing or first in passing? total yards, touchdowns uh, in his career with the Bengals. And I think we had this argument, like, was he good? Was he great? Like, what was Andy Dalton? I think he was average grits. I mean, that's – he had really good moments. And, and I think that they had a really good defense, too, a lot of those years. But he was a consistently good fantasy quarterback. Notice what I said there. Um, I think that he ends up – would I rather have him over – I think I already answered that. I guess I would rather have him over Cam Newton. I'm not really sure what version of Cam you're going to get at 30-plus yep. years old, the injuries, all that. Um, what if he ends up in Jacksonville? Dalton, that is, because right totally now – plausible. Gardner Minshew has Joshua Dobbs and, and some guy named Jake Luton that they uh, took in the sixth round. Gardner Minshew's, like, cute but not good, right? <laughs> What? Sure, no, he's, he's like a cutie. Sure he's like he's sort of a funny guy. He's like got the little mustache, and he does you know funny interviews and stuff. But like, yeah, you're not really, you're not really a real starting quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I covered the kid in Mississippi, and I will say that I doubted him his entire time down mm, there, and a uh, I was absolutely one of the doubters. I wouldn't say I'm a hater, but I was one of the doubters, and he proved me wrong. He made the league, so. Who am I to doubt him? Um, but I think that that's a good situation for him down there if he actually like really wants a, sh- a shot no matter where it is to take over uh, starting duties. But, I mean, where else could he go? I think that he could sit for a little bit and end up getting signed once somebody gets hurt in the middle of the season. Yeah, yep. That's probably the more plausible I can, I can answer. I can definitely see that. Jonathan? I think I'm leaning toward Dalton. Sure, sure, he throws interceptions like it's the late 90s, early 2000s, but he doesn't get injured. He's He's started 16 games. In six of the nine seasons he's been in the league, nice. his accuracy numbers have dropped in the last three years, though. But I, yeah, I hate <laughs> you, Matthew. <laughs> I hate you. Sleep. Wasn't even planned. Um, but yeah, I think I'd take Dalton right now, just because the consistency and he doesn't get injured. Where do you think he goes? New England. There's no reason no, for Jared New England to, to not. Yeah, I know. Every <laughs> time, every time, the reaction has to be who. Every single time, like even even five years from now, when he's in the Pro Bowl, of course he will be. We just Jared Stidham, who uh, Andy Dalton makes so much sense for the Patriots because their defense is still really good. Like if they had an average offense, they can win the division because Josh Allen's not good. The Jets are the Jets, and I'm not sure Miami's going to be ready yet to be a real contending team. I also thought about with like Josh Rosen, who's getting Josh Rosen. By the way, yeah, does it matter? Does anyone care anymore? Probably it, not. this year of UFAs in the quarterback market, along with Joe Burrow and Tua and you know Justin Herbert and, and Jordan Love, and figuring out where they were going to go. We all forgot that Josh Rosen is sitting. Is he still with Miami? Yeah, like yeah, he's he still is, on yeah. the roster. Uh, there's no room in the inn for him down there. So I think that eventually he's going to have to get traded. Um, 
What if he ends up in New England? Why have we not talked about that as a possibility? That seems realistic. Yeah, New England not getting any other quarterback is sort of weird. And then Belichick said it wasn't by design that they didn't draft someone. It's like, okay, so who did Belichick want and how can we get them? Um, there, there's a there's a few there's a few areas that I think would be good ideas for Andy Dalton. Maybe not necessarily to be a starter, but as sort of like a just in case. Uh, Washington would be one of them. Where if you know Dwayne Haskins starts and is very bad, then you need another option. I don't think that they're in a win now mode, but you might want something there as a fallback potentially. I think you play Haskins, and if he's bad, you draft Trevor Lawrence next year. But it might be a, a fallback. I also think that Buffalo is not a bad place for him or any of the places that have young quarterbacks that you're not sure of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so even the Giants. New York the New York Jets, the New York Giants, that if your quarterback is really awful, then you at least have a backup plan. And the Browns go for this too. Like, why does Baker Mayfield not have anybody putting any pressure on him? What exactly has he done? He's done a heck of a lot less in his career than Andy Dalton has. So why not? Bring him in, put the pressure on Baker Mayfield, like, look, buddy, if this doesn't work out, you are getting benched. And I would also go with anywhere that has a decrepitly old quarterback. Um, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, um, Pittsburgh, any of these places that have very, very old quarterbacks make sense for Andy Dalton. How would would Pittsburgh, you know, we already talked about Ben Roethlisberger, not wanting to help Mason Rudolph when we were talking on Tuesday about the Brett Favre, excuse me, the Aaron Rodgers situation. How would Ben Roethlisberger feel having somebody that he's played against a lot coming in as his backup? Like, would that just be, like, DEFCON 5, like, of just the amount of anger and slamming of doors and everything else? Like, how would that play out? He's a weird, weird guy with this, as we saw from Mason Rudolph. But if it was a veteran coming in to back him up because of his recent history of injuries, maybe he would be okay with it. Like, maybe he might enjoy having a veteran backup, but they haven't spent money on veteran backups recently. I don't know. Asking me to get inside Ben Roethlisberger's head is not really something I feel qualified to do, but um, it, it, it makes sense for any quarterback that is old or often injured. Another one might be Denver. Like if you stack up your roster like they did, and Drew Locke goes one and three out of the gate and is just throwing picks left and right, you have a chance to give the ball to somebody else who could come in and help you remain competitive because overall, Denver has a good roster. So there, there are options. There should be options for both the Rams? Of those guys. Not probably not sold on what Jared Goff did last year. Bring as him a, in as, as a backup. backup yeah. yeah, as a backup. Um, I would probably still take Cam Newton over him. I, oh, I yeah. like. I know Cam is broke. He's just totally <laughs> broke. But uh, he's better. He, if he, if it's like the same version of Cam that was before he got hurt when he was completing mm-hmm. like sixty seven percent of his passes and he was starting to look like uh, he could grasp a short passing offense. And then he gets hurt. I, I would rather have that version than I would have of Andy Dalton. That you know that you're not going to get anything more than like eight and eight or nine and seven. Okay, um, something we talked about earlier on the show with Riley Reef has been a point of contention online, and we have to circle back to that situation because he is the swing man. He's the door to um, could you do other stuff this off season or no, not really. So let's discuss that when we return here. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Time is running out for some cash relief with Score North listing rewards for the month of April. Thanks to our awesome partners, Score North is giving you the chance at $25 to $200 in cash just for listening to us and having the Score North mobile app. For your chance at free cash, download that free Score North mobile app and enter through listening rewards. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business during the coronavirus pandemic. You can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together, and we need your support to help our local community. To hear from our area partners, please visit scorenorth.com and use the keyword open over at scorenorth.com and on that free Score North mobile app. Derek Wetmore has his latest five thoughts on the Twins. And then Seth Auger, social media guy, he's got a series on the most rewatchable Wolves moments. And in this latest one, he's looking at Kevin Garnett's return to Minnesota. So go check out those bits of writing as well as Matthew Collar's profiles on the draft picks and what remains on the Vikings offseason checklist for free right now over at scorenorth.com and the free Scorenorth mobile app. That's been your Scorenorth download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. Courtney, I just did something that you're going to be really proud of. You know what I just did? Did you make another pun that I'm going to hate? No, um, but I can work on that. Um, I draft simmed. 2021 draft sim? I did it. I 2021 draft sim. On April 30th, uh, 2020? Yeah. Oh, yes. man. Yes, I did. And I'm uh, interested in your thoughts on okay, my first round go. pick because I only did the first round. Because I've actually heard of some of these people. Some of them are sons of former players from the 90s, which makes me sad inside. But in this 2021 draft sim, Trevor Lawrence goes number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love that there's even an order here that is different than what the order was this year. So they're just like guessing how bad your team's going to be. Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville seems very plausible. Mm -hmm. Justin Fields to Carolina, sadly it does, because Carolina's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Then uh, Devontae Smith, a wide receiver to Miami. I don't know much about him. Uh, Jamar Chase doesn't go till ninth, which might be a little surprised if he did. So a couple other receivers. Who who would they have at nine? Um, Detroit. So they don't think Detroit's going to be good. I tend to agree. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we're going down the list here. We've got some receivers. We've got some corners. And I show up at 24th. Okay, I can buy that, that the Vikings will be drafting 24th. That means it's been a pretty darn good year. Mm -hmm. But they don't win the Super Bowl. And I went and drafted a quarterback. I got Brock Purdy out of Iowa State. I selected a QB in the first round for the Vikings. And uh, maybe Brett Favre will call Kirk Cousins and they will talk. And then he'll call a radio show and say, well, you know, Kirk's pretty surprised. Surprised they didn't get more receivers for him. Um, But interestingly, uh, Rashad Bateman is a first-round pick in this. And I think that that is totally plausible, the wide receiver from the Gophers. So what do you think? Drafting a first-round pick in 2021? Like, should people, if college football happens, should people be watching all the quarterbacks now that the Packers sort of took the two-years-out type of approach? Yeah, but I mean, I also think it's like they're looking at age as a factor there with Rodgers and the decline in the last two seasons. I mean, Kirk is considerably younger yeah. in quarterback terms than Rodgers. He's going to be, he's 31 right now. So I don't know if they'd make a move that rash, uh, just based on like the contingency plan of like, you know, thinking he's not going to be able to get past a certain level based on age. They could do it though, based on, how good or bad this year goes. I mean, if he looks like the exact same guy as they had last year, which was good. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was good. It was it won you a playoff game. It was exactly what you brought in him him in here to do uh to take your franchise back to the playoffs. I mean, okay. But, but I I also think that, you know, unless you see like a serious decline in him, I mean, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't see know, that happening, hook. but but I think that um, if you look at the the salary cap hit for Kirk a couple years out, like that could be a big factor with this Aaron Rodgers thing, is that his salary cap hit just goes up big time after this year. This year, totally manageable. The next two years, not manageable at all. And if we're now all in agreement that sitting a guy for a year is a good thing to do, then... Next year, you have to start thinking about that. Like, could 2021 be the last year of Kirk Cousins? So, you draft. Yeah, they do. They do have, they don't have the no trade clause. It's just like which team is going to want to pick up that salary because of how much is guaranteed. And he's got $31 million cap hit in 2021. Um, that's a lot. I mean, unless they can get him to restructure, which we have never seen uh, him do over the course of his career. Granted, he was on franchise tags and obviously the extension that we know about with Minnesota, but he's got, I mean, his whole base salary, here's the, the thing, his whole base salaries for 2021 is guaranteed. And then the base salary for the following year becomes like guaranteed at signing. So three days into the league year in 2021 is 2022 base salary. Ah, is, so that's when they'll trade third, him. Right? Uh, two days before league year, yes. one day before league year. Yes, why not? So they're not on the hook. Okay. Mm, wild, wild free agency coming up. I'm drafting a corner, or I'm drafting a quarterback. Uh, also need to point out before we move on that there is someone who's projected as a 2021 first-round pick whose name is Big Cat Bryant. I also would like him on the team. Is it um is that his real name or is that like a nickname? I don't think his first name is Big. I think that's what they must call him, but that's what he's listed on I'm doing this through Fanspeak. He's listed well, as Big Cat Bryant. If his I mean, parents named him Big Cat, they're the best. The reason I ask that is because do you remember the high school wide receiver who I think committed to LSU, the coldest and his middle oh, name yeah. is yeah. to to ever do it. Crawford. His parents actually named him that. That's the reason I asked. You cannot rule anything out. Yeah, there's also Lil Jordan Humphrey, who I don't know what happened to him. Lil Jordan, yeah, of yeah. course. I know him. Yeah, yeah. Lil Jordan, yeah. He's around. Not Lil Jordan. Lil Jordan. I, th- I thought it was Lil Jordan. His real name is what? Markevious? Markevious Bryant. Big Cat Bryant. Yeah. Lil Jordan Humphrey. No, it's it's L I L. Yeah, but you don't pronounce it that way. It's Lil Jordan. It's spelled Lil I've Jordan. I absolutely heard it pronounced that way. Mm. Le Jordan. Well, that, that takes a some of the faster. shine off of it. Okay. Uh, all right. So we started talking earlier about Riley Reef and the situation with him where at this moment he's the starting left tackle and the starting right tackle is Brian O'Neill, Garrett Bradbury, and then the other positions are sort of open season uh, for maybe another free agent like you mentioned, uh, Osemele, or they could bring back Josh Klein if they wanted to. Look, there's... Yeah. Lots of options that they could uh, deal with in interior, including it's still possible that Ezra Cleveland could give it a try at guard, but more likely that he starts at left tackle and then they see what happens. And if they need to move Reef inside, they do. Um, but he is the swing man for if anything else is going to happen here, if they're going to sign Jadavian Clowney, if they're going to trade for somebody, if there's any more excitement in our offseason with the Vikings, it's going to happen because they did something with Riley Reef. now that it appears that Anthony Harris is definitely going to be on the team because they didn't draft any safeties. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. I think that that's a smart assumption just with the depth of the safety group, the fact that they didn't spend a high draft pick uh, to get an Antoine Winfield or Xavier McKinney and bring him in. I mean, he is a starting safety, but when you talk about potential moves that could be made, if you had to trade somebody, I think that Anthony Harris 
is off the table for now. But like I mean, like I said, you still have till the trade deadline yeah. if something were to pop up. But for right now, you absolutely need him. Just it's a numbers game. Yeah. So if we've sort of locked that in, and we don't think that there's any possibility of you know a Delvin Cook trade or whatever, the one guy you would look at would be Riley Reef. But I would caution the people who want Riley Reef, uh, you know, hit with the ejector seat. That he last year there were forty tackles who gave up more pressures, and he ranked twenty sixth out of sixty among all tackles who played more than five hundred snaps in Pro Football Focus grade. That does not mean he's great. Of course, it doesn't. Uh, if you could have drafted Andrew Thomas instead, you would have liked to do that, or Tristan Wirfs, or somebody else uh, that could have played tackle and maybe moved Brian O'Neill to left tackle. You would want to do that. Uh, they did not have the opportunity to do that. If you could get Trent. Williams, of course, you want that potential upgrade in talent there. But acting like Riley Reef is the really was the problem last year on the offensive line is like, did you watch? (laughs) Because every time we watched every game, uh, it was the interior of the offensive line. And if you have one concern about how they've come out of this offseason so far that you would ding them on if you were grading the offseason as a whole is they really have done nothing to improve the interior of the offensive line unless Reef moves inside. But if he's going to move inside, he can't do it at this price. No, and they would have to restructure him. His, his cap hit is $13.2 million right now. Um, he's making north of $10 million a year to play left tackle. So... You know, what kind of leverage does he hold if they want to move him inside? It was something they talked about doing last year. It never panned out. It might be their best option, but I also just have to look at the whole picture and think, is Ezra Cleveland really going to be ready to start at left tackle when, you know, we know that's the most important position on the offensive line. Yeah, your interior needs work, but you're sacrificing one thing um, to fix another, and th- and that's tough, I think. And look at Riley Reeves' overall career um and even starting last year pro football focus had him with a 73.2 pass blocking grade that's in the green so that's a really good grade like pass protection is where this team has struggled so why would you get rid of one of your best pass blocking offensive linemen like they were 25th in pass blocking efficiency by pro football focus i don't think that you're going to get any better if you if you get rid of riley reef i mean maybe maybe it is the the move that they need on the interior because rick spielman said there's a wide open competition um and you would assume that's at both guard spots break gear bradbury will still be the center next year but left guard it's not pat offline's job right now i mean he has to earn it back if they really think that he's the best fit there um but it makes more sense to me to keep him on this roster in the short term have somebody who knows this scheme, who knows the guys that he's going to be playing next to, can help a rookie tackle, guard, whatever they want to do with Ezra Cleveland. I think tackle's probably the best spot. Don't draft him to make him play guard. Um, but let him learn under him because, you know, he's still under contract for right now. And it's you probably get more value out of that than trying to move other pieces around. So you mentioned uh, the Riley Reef's dra- uh, pass blocking grade. And I looked it up, guys who were drafted last year, 2019, all the tackles that played at least 250 snaps. And there are only two players that even approach his grade and nobody who were as good. And so that's sort of the point is that when you throw somebody right into the fire, 
usually that doesn't work out for you right away, that they need to get it some experience first, and then you hope that they take a big step the next year, like Brian O'Neill did last year. And some of the guys who were drafted last year who were thrown right into the fire were complete disasters. Caleb McGarry, the guy from Atlanta, yeah. allowed 13 sacks last season, which is, I mean, it's a ton. Um, and you know maybe part of it is Matt Ryan's not mobile, but neither is Kirk Cousins. And if that's going to be what you get out of Ezra Cleveland in the first year, that would be disastrous for the Vikings. So what Riley Reef guarantees you is non-disastrous play. Yeah, it's reliable. Like you and I talked about, it's not going to jump off the page and make you think that, oh, the offensive line's totally fixed, but it's steady. And I think what Kirk Cousins need is he needs is a steady offensive line and not wholesale changes um, to a position that he has relied upon because of how long he stands back there. Okay, so here's a question for you. Based on, let's say, they keep Riley Reef and just sort of go forward with who they have. They don't mm-hmm. sign anybody that's a major impact player. Josh Klein comes back, let's just say. Where do they rank in pass protection by PFF? Because we usually go off their grades. Where do they rank next year by the end of 2020? Well, first off, I still think that they could make a move on the interior. Um, yeah, they should. They should sign like, one of these guys. Why is nobody talking about Gabe Jackson? I mean, none of that money, he has three years left on his deal with the Raiders. None of that money is guaranteed. He was reportedly shopped last week, and his name has come up even like last season. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, he was their starting right guard for years and years and years, even dating back to when I covered the Raiders in 16. So... I think that that would be a very good upgrade. Uh, because you need, personally, think I think you need to bring in a veteran to compete for one of those spots yeah, on the I interior agree. right away, and then yep. you can either battle it out between Drew Samia, Dakota Dozier, Pat Alfine, whatever. Um, but how much better? I'll, go, I'll move on to answer actually answering your question. How much better can they get in pass blocking? They should be a top twenty team, right? In terms of pass blocking, they were twenty fifth in efficiency last year. I don't know. I mean, can you can you really rob Peter to pay Paul in that sense of like moving guys around and expecting it to get better when you didn't yeah. do it last year? I, I don't know. I mean, is that, is that the twenty fifth? Is that the one big ding that we have to give here? Like, if we're grading the entire off season, let's say sure. no, nothing else that's really significant happens, and they get high marks. For you know, I guess um, well the draft of course, but I guess you could even give them marks, good marks for keeping their quarterback and lowering his cap hit for this year. Like some people, I'm sure wanted a different quarterback and wanted to be talking about quarterbacks uh, throughout the draft process. But if we were resigned to keeping Kirk Cousins, then you say, all right, good job working out that particular mm-hmm. deal and so, what it gave you right so good job there your free agent signing as a, of a nose tackle was pretty questionable but you needed that position for your defense so okay i mean overall offseason grade has to be the biggest ding that nobody came in here on the interior offensive line unless you think that it's going to be reef and even with that if you said yeah we signed this veteran tackle to a really expensive deal to play a guard you would you would give that a thumbs down right so yeah because it's history repeating itself it's you know people 2018 was not that far removed when mike remmers had to do the exact same thing simply out of necessity because nick easton broke his neck in practice so right um what's your overall offseason grade then It's tough. I mean, obviously the draft, they, they did really, really well. Outside of the – the only thing I think you can really knock them on is where they address the offensive line outside of Ezra Cleveland, where they address their biggest problem because 
it's very clear that their biggest problem's not at the tackle spots, it's the interior. So waiting until the seventh round to get Kyle Hinton, I mean, I, I understand why people are frustrated by that specific pick because it's felt like in years past they just haven't done enough to address that position. Now, we really don't know if Drew Samia is going to pan out yet. Yeah, he was, that was, that's going to be a different that was high, That was high draft capital. That's the make-or-break move here. Was the redshirt season enough for him to be able to step in at left or right guard next year uh, and make an immediate impact? I mean, he played in that same zone-blocking scheme um, at Oklahoma, blocking for Kyler Murray, Like, was a terrific college player. But can he make that jump to being able to take on one of those roles and fill a massive hole for them? That still remained to be seen. But like you look beyond that in the last few years, you and I have talked about this. The later rounds, the mid rounds, they just haven't addressed that outside of Pat Elfline in, in twenty seventeen, like nothing's worked with their fourth or you know, third to fourth round picks that they've spent on um offensive linemen. So I understand the frustration where it's like, why'd they get another six-round guard? Why'd they get another seventh-round guard when those are guys who you just don't project highly to make the roster? That's probably the biggest knock that you can make on them for the way they came away from the draft. But overall grade, I'd probably give it... Do we grade it on a curve because uh, of what they were dealing with, or do we ding them because they put themselves because in that position? <laughs> I, I tend to ding them because they put themselves yeah. in a position where they, they didn't... They knew that this, this was going to happen. Like, you can't right. tell me you didn't project to... They always talk about, oh, well, we worked two years down the road in salary cap. Well, you knew you were going to have a serious problem in 2020, like when you signed Kirk Cousins to that deal. So, you know, unless they were really thinking that everything was going to... They were going to win the Super Bowl that first year, I mean... They did, Yes, they did it to themselves in that sense, but I guess you could grade it on a curve of, well, if they knew that they were going to have a total turnover on the defense and they were going to trade Stephon Diggs and because he wasn't happy, then I guess you could give it a B, a solid B of an offseason because the moves that they didn't make in free agency were then kind of like its opposite in, in the draft, but I still think that the lack of the lack of what they did in free agency brings it down to a B for me. Yeah, so if I'm sort of going like move by move and trying to find what the thing I'm coming back to is, what the grade I'm coming back to is, like the draft is an A. You did a great job. Like even if you didn't get enough offensive linemen in the fourth, like I'm not going to hammer you for that. Um, just because those guys you know, are developmental players and you never know, and they drafted some of those last year, that it's going to be a really stacked room anyway. So, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you the A or the B plus for the draft. Really good job on the draft. But if we go like move by move otherwise, so you cut Xavier Rhodes, you do not pay Trey Waynes or Mackenzie Alexander. Like all those are fine. Alexander clearly didn't want to be here. So that's a ding on you. Trading Stefan Diggs, getting back a good draft pick. Okay, good. But you don't have Stefan Diggs anymore. Can't give you an A for that. Sorry. Um, yeah, because even if Jefferson works out, it's still not great to lose one of the best receivers in the NFL because you couldn't get along with him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> franchise tagging Anthony Harris without a clear like path to a contract extension that could eventually put you in a position to not sign him, rescind the franchise tag. Like if that happens, then you get a very low grade. Mm-hmm. Even signing Anthony Harris is a little questionable as much as I think he's a very, very good player. The amount of money that they're going to spend on him is questionable. And so that one only has to get maybe a B or a C plus. The Michael Pierce signing to me is not a good one because of what you spent on him, not the player. Good player, too much money, can't give you much. Well, for very that posi- for that for that position too. I mean, 
yeah, they had to replace Linville Joseph, but like, why not think about replacing your interior pass rush? I mean, yeah, you have right. a lot of guys in the wings, but it's like they felt that they needed to spend that sort of money because Linville was so irreplaceable just in the run-stopping ability that he brought and how much easier that makes the lives of Eric Kendricks and such. But, you know, I think you could argue with the Michael Pierce signing. I think it's a good signing if you're just thinking of it in the vacuum of replacing Linville Joseph. Yeah. You're getting somebody who's younger, you know, equally, maybe even more stronger, um, less injuries, etc. And he's 27 uh, versus where Lindell is at his, this part of his career. But, you know, you could make the argument of a three-year, $27 million deal, whatever. Like, we, we, couldn't you have used that to upgrade your pass rush elsewhere? It's a, it's a lot to spend. And I also, sometimes you do have to pull the, look at Belichick. But Belichick always rotates the, through these nose tackles that are cheap. You know, the Danny Shelton's and Allen Branches of the world. And the reason, I remember reading this somewhere, hearing this somewhere, that the reason that Belichick initially switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4 was because he knew he could get Ted Washington on the cheap and spend money elsewhere. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I guess it's just one of those positions that I never looked at as being, like, wow, you have to spend a lot of money there. And $27 million isn't crazy cash, but it's also when you're cap-strapped. Uh, I can't give you a, a super high grade for that. So I think that we entered draft time giving the Vikings a pretty low grade overall for their offseason. And we come out of it with, wow, you did a great job. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, like a B- minus or a C plus. But if you fundamentally believe that the number one goal was to increase your pass protection, you did not do it for this year. Mm -hmm. You probably did it for the future, but you did not do it for this year, which again would be problematic for you. And we walk out of another offseason, at least where we're at now, saying yeah, Kirk Cousins is going to get pressured again next year. Yeah, and, and that's something that they have to work around if they really do think that the answer... I mean, they might honestly believe that, that the answer is with the guys they already have, because yeah. we haven't seen Drew Samia. You know, we saw Dakota Dozier at the times that he had to step in for Josh Klein, and um, I think he also played some left guard, too, for Pat Elfline. I mean, he's certainly a very good backup, but maybe they think he can play as a starter. I don't know. So we'll see with that, but um, it's definitely an area that wasn't addressed head-on. Like, Addressing it with the guys that you have on your roster, um, it's kind of like a roundabout way of doing it, but maybe they know, I mean, I'm not going to doubt them. I think that they probably know something or at least feel something, some type of way about their current guys that they have on their roster that could be better than what they had in Klein, unless they decide to bring him back. I mean, they certainly can. He'd be cheap. Um, or Pat Elfline. Yeah, and the the Pat Elfline ship has just sailed to me. I mean, as much as he was very, very good in 2017, the injured uh, the injuries really took their toll on him, and the post-injury yeah. version was just never the same. Um, so I, I do think that the door is still very much open for this team to make more moves, and we'll have a lot more to cover throughout this offseason, um, Courtney. So we will see you again on Tuesday uh, with more to do, and next week we have something exciting that we're going to be rolling out. So. You know what it is, but you don't know what I'm talking about, I think. I'm but, looking forward but, to but, it. But it's exciting. So, all right. Um, we will catch you all tomorrow then. Mackie and Judd with Rami's coming up next. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more.
All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at onepeloton.com.